Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This. Uh, sorry for the last two weeks and this week that it's a little bit echoey. Um, we do know. Yeah, we do we know. know. <laughs> Don't everybody, I know. Because <laughs> for two weeks, we have had no carpet and we've been getting paint. So we live upstairs in one bedroom right now. <laughs> They do. We don't live yeah, together. Yeah, we don't live together. <laughs> but I'm about to be so happy when this is all done. So, there is it's a cement floor. We hung up this sheet. If you want to see, well, the video will probably be gone from our stories by the time you see this. But um, it's just echoey, which is kind of perfect because this is 35.8 through 11. And you kind of feel like... And meanwhile, you wish like, you would have heard oh! him singing down here. I was just going to say, because whenever I'm not down here, he just sings at the top of his lungs. It sounds so good. I sound so good in showers and echoey basements. I just figured that out. So I didn't know I even had that spiritual gift. Um, so sorry about the echo. This is the last week. Next week, it'll be better. So happy. But really, you do want an echo and a reverb for this chapter because it's when um, this is the this is the moment. It's the caps. It's like the highlight of the Book of Mormon. It really, is the highlight. How many people do you say what is your favorite chapter in the Book of Mormon? And it's one of these. Right. It's either eleven or it's seventeen. So many people love seventeen. Mm -hmm. Or the Sermon on the Mount that's going to come in twelve through six. Like there's just. Yeah. Is, this is what's awesome. We've said since the very beginning of the year that this book is a book about Jesus. Um, that you might be tempted to think it's about Alma and Nephi and Helaman and Samuel and Sariah and um, Abish and all of these people. But it was the work of God through these people. Like He is the hero on every single page. And it was fun for half of the book to see him moving and working mm -hmm. through people the way he does in the Old Testament. And now for just a season... We get to watch him like the New Testament, yep. moving and working among yeah among them. the people. And yep. this scene is really what's going to make that printed in the, the the another testament of Jesus Christ give it even an extra stamp um, of his um, personal ministry among them and their one on one personal like, experiences, experiences mm -hmm. with the resurrected Jesus. And so. Um, it has so much value. Yeah, we have that. so many favorite parts. So get ready. This is a favorite parts lesson for yeah, sure. All the favorites. Okay. Even <laughs> the beginning 11, is not the favorite. Yeah, I was going to say 11 is a lot of people's favorite. And actually, 8, 9, and 10 might be some of people's least favorite chapters in the Book of Mormon, also. And that's because um, all of these cities are destroyed and or burned or buried up or drowned in the sea. And it gives the same feeling that people have with like the flood or Sodom and Gomorrah where they're like skipping, you know, and they, I don't like, you know, where you're like, you're about to see in such clarity what the character of Jesus is because he's going to be there among them. But the chapters before it are like, I don't like that God, you know, like that's mm -hmm. not one that I feel drawn to. And so we want to start by looking at some of those verses that are in there that hopefully will actually teach you a really beautiful part of his character in parts that are scary. Yeah. Oh, let's move out of the way. I just, oh. while I thought of it. Okay, that's a good idea. Um, so you can, so see, you the can board. see the board. And, and you'll want to be watching for both as we're teaching. 
And we're going to um, get to the part of the chapters that reconcile what's happening in 8. So just hold on while we um, kind of go through this. Because you do start out and, um, and you're going to find that there are some people who are looking for that sign. Remember, it was the longest Advent calendar ever made. <laughs> I just chocolates. imagine that chain. <laughs> I wanted to be chocolates. Yeah, okay. that nasty, waxy chocolate. Unless you get it from Belgium or something. Okay. And... Um, they finally have gotten to the end of that, and then they're like, it's, it's got to be close, right? It has to be close. And they start looking for um, this sign, and, and actually now we've passed the five-year. He did get born. This would have had to have been a 33-year Advent calendar, but they to did Easter. know to be watching. And it, yeah, we, wa we went to Christmas, now Lent. we're going to Easter. <laughs> it was the longest Lent ever. Um, in verse 3, they began to look with great earnestness for the sign which had been given by the prophet Samuel, the Lamanite. And again, just like happened the first time, there began to be doubtings and disputations among the people. Um, even though so many signs had been given, there were so many things that they saw, but they still were like, is this it or is this not it? Like, how do we know if it's it? And then in the third and fourth year, on the first month, on the fourth day of the month, there arose a great storm, such as one had never happened before in the land. And then we go through all these verses um, where we read about terrible tempests and terrible thunder and sharp lightnings and cities that are sinking into the depths of the sea and um, some cities that became a great mountain where that was. And there's just terrible destruction um, that happens. Even like you, you see whirlwinds and kind of all of the things that we hear about, um, even in our day, you know, the hurricanes and the typhoons and the earthquakes and um, the fires and the floods and it, it's all happens all of a sudden really fast yeah. all at one time And it's the part that kind of troubles everyone because then when the voice comes when the voice of Jesus comes after it's all like Everything's like knocked down. They're all in sight. They just listen. They have no everything's gone People are missing. There's darkness and and they hear this voice and it's the voice of Jesus And he says I caused all of these to happen. And I think that's where people start to misunderstand his, his character a little bit. And there's a couple of reasons why it might be that. We talked a couple of weeks ago about maybe this is a literary device, mm. you know, where um, he's being attributed to actually doing it instead of, that he caused it instead of allowing it, even though it says cause. Um, or you could look at it in the way that some people do. There's actually the cleansing of it was the most merciful thing to do because... Remember to God, death is just a transfer to where he can work with people in another realm. Whatever the case may be, we want to focus on some of these verses that show what he's like. If you are tricked into thinking he's like, oh, he's a God who buries cities and burns people alive. And it's just like, oh, hold on. That, that's not the God you've mm -hmm. seen at all throughout the book. It's not the one you saw in the New Testament. It's not the one you'll see among them. So... There's something we're not understanding. That's yeah. our conclusion. Because the people actually say in 24, Oh, that we had repented. 8.24. And turned. Oh, that we, they yeah. are and like it, taking And it. you think to yourself, how many chances did he give them to repent here? You know, earth side. On this side of what right, was going on. Right. How many chances? And we, we know because we started clear back with Nephi on the garden tower. And then we saw Samuel up on the wall. And... Over and over, he's, he's, it's second chances and third chances and fourth chances. And it does get to this point where it's almost like he's saying, well, we've done everything we could here. Now let's see what we can do. Um, heaven side, you know. And 
It's interesting in 25 because what they say besides repenting is, oh, that we had repented before this great and terrible day and had not killed and stoned the prophets and cast them out. Because what would the prophets have done for them? They, they would have said, this is what's happening. This is what's coming. This is how to prepare. Remember we talked about last week, um, as you go through those chapters, particularly five, six, and seven, right before all these things happen, you can read through there and see what were the most believing part doing during that whole time. And they were following the prophet. That's what they were doing. And what if everybody had? Yeah. If you go over, we have this list right here. Move over to chapter 10. They kind of self-lament again in chapter 10, um, verse 12. And it says, we have this part, who were saved. And we put saved in quotes because I think it's so important to recognize that that God's role in this is savior, mm. right? Not destroyer. So it's so interesting that it's focusing on that. And could it be because, I mean, really what's the natural, the natural effect of all of our choices and sins is going to end in disaster, right? If we let them go, yep. if we let humanity go down its natural course, it will be entropy. It will be chaos. It will be yep. disaster. And we have a God who's willing to pull us out of that. And he said, I'm trying to pull you out of what you were going to do to yourselves <laughs> anyways, right? Yes. And he says, and they say there, the yeah. more and, righteous part. And I love when you're saved. talking about that word saved. It's not talking about eternal Right. Saving. It's talking about who was still standing. That's that's kind right. of what he's talking about. Right. Who is still standing in this moment? Yeah. And look what it says. The this more... is so interesting. And we kind of remember we talked about, let's watch this the whole time because... Yeah. The more righteous part, the ones it says that received the prophets and stoned them not. And it was they who had not shed the blood of the saints who were spared. So there's three things. Yeah. Um, more, righteous. more righteous, the more believing part. We kind of talked about that last week. And that kind of goes with number two and probably so because they received the prophets and, and the, the escape route, the prophets were just giving the escape route is all they were doing. Yeah. This wasn't an or else. It was like, this is your way out. Like it's <laughs> going to happen. And this is your way out. Um, and then they didn't kill the saints. And we were talking right before this started, like that's, would you say, it's a pretty low bar yeah. of people this who get to make, to, it. to make it. Don't kill any saints. <laughs> Don't stone the prophet. And just try and be the most believing part. Just, that's it. I was like, it, that, it feels so easy yeah. when you read it like that. You're like, well, yeah. Yeah, weird thing, like the, the people who, like these aren't people who stole gum from the grocery store <laughs> that got buried. And like, this, like, it's a really, really low entry level. You know, and, and I, I don't know. I just think that's super, super important. If you look over on the study guide sheet over here as we get into um, chapter 9, look at the voice of Jesus then come. So go back a chapter to where he speaks to all of them there. Yeah, this and part is so good. Um, just as you start to see his character now. Because yeah. we've gone through in, verse, in chapter 8 and we're like, what just happened? And then we learn... That it's because of this. Like, you kept killing the prophets. You were killing the saints. You got to a point where I couldn't help you anymore where you were. But then you love this call that he's going to give them in chapter 9. Yeah, and before that, I just noticed this right before we started that in verse 2, how he's just like, it's the devil who's laughing and his angels who are rejoicing. It's not me. I'm not happy about, you know, where everything at. that just happened. You know, um, but then, okay, then the call, this invitation is. In 13, is that where we're going to start? Yeah, yeah, oh, I, I just go love there. This. 
He says, O oh, all ye that are spared, because you were more righteous than they, will you not now return to me? Which I think is so interesting because the people who were standing there, they didn't necessarily even believe in Jesus. They just didn't stone the prophets or kill the saints. And I love that it is still an invitation for them. Will you now return? Like, do you, do you want to come back now, this group who's there, and repent of your sins and be converted? And then you love that very last line of verse 13. The whole reason for everything that he's doing, his whole purpose, his whole intention is in this little sentence that is so powerful, that I may heal you. That's why he wants a relationship with us. That's what Jesus does. He comes as the healer, and, and that's the healer of physical, but also spiritual and emotional. Um, he comes as the healer, and that's all he's asking. Do you, do you want to turn to me now so I can heal you? Because that's why I came. Yeah, and in 14, as it keeps going, he says this, Verily I say unto you, if you will come unto me, whoever, whosoever will come unto me, you shall have eternal life. Behold, my arm of mercy is extended towards you, and whosoever will come, him will I receive. And blessed are those who come unto me. I, um, I, I love that line. That all mm. include whoever. Yeah, anyone. Whosoever, um, all of you, any of you who yeah. come, I will receive you. No, no rain checks. Yes. No credit. Just I can remember come. a conference when um, the first time I heard this verse and like heard it, Thomas S. Monson was saying it and he just gave you this little part that said this whosoever will come him will i receive and it was so like individual it was like i was like oh i can come that means because if i come he will receive me it just starts right here being so individual just who whosoever wants to him that one will i receive and I, just as you were saying earlier about that saving, not just like in a future tense, I think it's neat that like if you, the invitations for that day, mm. and I think it's cool that he says, if you'll come today, you will have eternal life. And I don't necessarily think, I mean, it's true that you could have eternal life eventually, but there's something about like having the life and light of God in you today, mm. like coming to me today and just kind of a different nuance yeah. on eternal life. Start experiencing that life in you right now, right when you come, mm -hmm. no hesitation. And we love that um, those two numbers we have right there, one and two, we love that the two, like as he introduces himself, he's like, this is what I'm gonna bring. I'm gonna heal you and I'm gonna bless you. That's what you can expect if you come unto me. And it's just, um, I just love that he goes, he just cuts straight to the chase. Yeah. This is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. Yeah. And anybody who's like, as you keep going through and read these, you'll just see in 15, he reminds you, remember, I'm the creator of all of those things. I came with redemption in verse 17. I'm light. I've come in 21 to bring redemption for, to the world and to save the world. And then 22, that line, I have laid down my life. So anybody who gets nervous or misinterprets his character, you know, in what happened in chapter eight, they ought to come to chapter nine and see like, Okay, there must be something that we're not connecting if I'm nervous about him. I had a friend text me um, this week and just say, I, I, I've, I've kind of noticed a lot of like signs of the second coming. I'm a little bit nervous about Jesus coming. Hmm. And I was like, oh, 
If you're nervous, that might mean you don't quite know what he's like. Because he's not the kind of person you would be nervous about coming. So something's missing in your understanding of him. Come to chapter nine. <laughs> Learn like yeah. who he is and, and yeah. what he's like. And, well, chapter, and you love ten too. Yeah, the second chance is chapter, right? Who loves your chicken, right? He's so there. cute. You do a very I, nice I, job thank you. on that chicken. Thank you. Um, I love that thought in verse four when he just says to them, How oft have I gathered you? Like how many times and how oft have I nourished you? And how oft would I have? If you just would have let me, like we, you start seeing, um, even though we see what happened in eight, you start, you, all of a sudden the people are in a place where they can hear him saying, I, I tried, I tried, and I'm still trying um, to bring you. Um, and you would not, it says. How oft would I gather you if you would just repent and return unto me with full purpose of heart? And the it's like that, that invitation with, with yeah, your life. Just is imagine. still just wide open. Like I still will, you know, every day that invitation is open. Yeah, a chicken represents second chances. That is what chapter 10. <laughs> That's why you have chickens, probably. That is why I have chickens. Okay, then this great chapter 11 that we all know um, really well. It's a chapter that a lot of us go to and read where he's actually going to come among them. And this is such a, a special chapter. It's neat because it's hard to tell how much time has passed. Some people think it was right after the three days of darkness. And some people think some time has passed and they're rebuilding the city. And um, that's, that's not really clear in there. But they are gathered together, it says, in the city of Bountiful at, at the temple. Now, this is what's interesting. I just had this thought as I was driving over here today. And I looked it up when I got here. Bountiful is like hardly ever mentioned throughout the Book of Mormon. It's not like the capital city of Zarahemla where he stood on the wall or, or, or anything mm -hmm. like that. It's like this random little city. And I looked it up and every time it's mentioned, it was during the wars. Hmm. And I thought, that's actually really neat to me that this city that it had used to be this war-torn place is now going to become a really holy city. Hmm. That w it once was this, and now it is known for this. And the thing that happened in between was Jesus. And it's neat that it's now gonna become such a special place because of him coming to And it. I love too, at that time of where everything was just in like chaos and upheaval and uncertainty, how did they all know to come to the temple? Don't you wonder like on that day, that yeah. it was, I just love that they are just drawn. Everybody is drawn to the temple. It and has, to each other too. Yeah, maybe, and to each other. You know? they, they just want to gather together. They're going to come to the temple. Um, it makes me think too, I've talked to so many people in recent weeks that have felt that same um, call. I wonder if you have too, of just that um, being drawn to the temple. And, and right now we can't even go in the temple, but... Grace and I, a couple Sundays ago, I, I woke up and I was just like, I need to go to the temple. I just felt it. It was a Sunday morning and um, I, I just, I was like, we have to go, we have to go today. And so we got in the yellow Jeep and drove up. And when we drove up there, this is so crazy, but the parking lot was full. And I was like, oh, something's going on here today. <laughs> and I didn't get invited. I didn't get invited. That's exactly what I thought. What is happening? And then I was like, who would have got invited? Like who, who got to go in there? And then we were like, oh, they're probably at church. But then we were like, no, no one's at church. Plus no one was in, there is a church right by the temple, but no one was in that parking lot at all. All the cars were in the parking lot, like a lot 
like you know how big the Timpanogos parking lot is. Yeah. It was like four rows back mm. of full. And I looked to the temple grounds, you guys. It was so awesome. And they were full of people sitting all around the whole temple grounds in the shade, families everywhere, just sitting all around that whole temple. And I thought it's so interesting how in times of like tumult and you know, when, when things are not steady, that there is a call to just come and gather mm. at the temple. That's so neat. I, I actually got to go last week to the temple with a friend who was going through for his own endowment and he was allowed to invite a couple people and there were people gathered too. And when I came out, I, I really want, sorry, you don't get to go. Like I, you know, apologize, but you really watched third Nephi 11 because look at verse three where it says, while they were thus conversing one with another, um, about and you the love it. Well, and in verse two, happened. it tells us they were conversing yeah. about this Jesus Christ. That's yeah. who they're talking about. And while they're thus conversing, I think it's neat. There is something about that idea of where two or three are gathered in my name. There I, I will be. I will come in the midst I of will them. Be and, there. and this is one thing I was thinking about just last night, actually, about that. It's so interesting that it doesn't have to be a huge gathering. It doesn't have to be a state conference. It doesn't have to be general conference. He says just two or three qualify for him to be in the midst of that. And I think about all of our homes. Mm -hmm. And I even think just about our little conversations that we have where we talk about this Jesus, that that's where he's going to come yeah. and be a part of that. And it just is neat to think of like if someone feels like I just feel troubled, I feel unsettled, I feel nervous, like the invitation is why don't you gather with people and talk about this Jesus and and then enjoy hmm. you know his spirit and yeah. his presence. Yeah, it's there. so good. It's interesting to me because um they hear a voice in verse three and it tells us you're gonna to wanna to watch this pattern. This is something you may even wanna mark in your scriptures. Um, they're conversing with one another. They hear a voice as if it came out of heaven and they cast their eyes round about because they couldn't understand the voice. They could hear it, but they couldn't understand the voice. And um, I love that it says it wasn't a harsh voice. And I mean, yeah, it wasn't harsh. It wasn't loud either. It was a small voice. And it did pierce them that did hear to the center, in so much that there was no part of their frame that it did not cause to quake. It did pierce them to the very soul. And it came to pass that again they heard the voice, and again they understood it not. I'm so intrigued with the fact that they can hear, they can hear, but for some reason they can't understand what's happening. Well, don't you feel like that sometimes with like, where you can almost sense like God is moving and working in your life and you're like, I, I just, I sense being like guided yeah. or pushed, but I just, I don't know where yet. I can't yeah. quite, I just Understand. feel him like brooding, yes. you know, but I not, so but I don't true. know what it is quite yet. And then I love that in verse five, we get this pattern that helps us to be able to not just hear, but to understand, which is super interesting to me as we're getting ready for general conference because all of us are going to be able to hear general conference if we turn it on wherever we are and sense that god is moving in yep. it right yeah but a general are we going to understand yeah. right what's happening there i'm just so intrigued by that in verse 5 it tells us the third time they did hear the voice and did open their ears to hear it 
and their eyes were toward the sound thereof, and they did look steadfastly towards heaven. And I love that they, they couldn't be busy. You know, they couldn't be distracted. They couldn't have their eyes somewhere else. They, it was almost like they couldn't be multitasking. If they wanted to understand, they had to see and hear and um, look. look. Oh, you said see. Yeah. yeah. And, well, it's interesting because is there both of those? Oh, they open did their hear, eyes to the sound. They opened their ears. So two times their ears. That's so interesting. And then two times their eyes. Yeah, and their eyes, and huh. they did look. Um, as you look at both of those things, and it's almost like a deeper um, commitment. It's like that word hearken that we talk about at the beginning of the Doctrine and Covenants that talks about um, to hearken will require your ears, your eyes, your heart, and your undivided attention. That's mm -hmm. what the word hearken means. And it's interesting that that's kind of what was happening here, that if you really wanted to know, then it was going to require your ears, your eyes, your heart, and your undivided attention. And, it, and it's actually a message that you want to see and feel and hear and know. Yes. You know, like... Yeah, it's the beginning of it that. It is what you would want. Yeah. And I love when you jump down to verse 8. It says, it came to pass as they understood. That might be one of my favorite parts of this. Because that word as, it doesn't say, and it came to pass, they understood. Um, it, it feels like it was a process, like okay. kind of what you're talking about, when you can feel God moving, and as you understand, and that could be true of General Conference for all of us. We might hear something, and you might write it down because you're like, there is something in that for me, and I don't really know what it is yet, but I just know something spoke to me about that quote. And you'll write it down, and we'll open our ears and hear, and we'll open our eyes and look. And I, I love it as we understand mm -hmm. it. It's almost like it's going to settle over time. Um, as they understood, they like cast... Like that first section one, where it says they, you know, that you'll, the intent is that you will come to an understanding. Yes. It's like in the 20s it says that, and it's like... That's, that's really yeah. cool. That's yeah, really, it's going to be really cool. over time, and he's okay with over time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, then they cast their eyes up again towards heaven, and that's when they finally are prepared to see him descending. And do you wonder if he was descending the whole time? Hmm. And they just weren't yet prepared to understand what was about to happen because it's so interesting when it says came to pass as they understood they cast their eyes up again towards heaven and behold they saw a man descending out of heaven and he was clothed in a white robe and he came down and stood in the midst of them um it's just oh i love the picture of that don't you want to see that yeah tomorrow so, oh yeah today <laughs> okay. is my hope you know and then it's interesting at the end of eight they have heard the voice of the father back in seven this is my beloved son in, in whom I've glorified my name. Here you am in the end of eight. They're like, I think it's an angel, mm. you know, yes. in eight. And you're kind of like, it is just so neat that it's just like, yeah. wait, they had no idea it was him coming and how he was moving and working. And they still don't quite know yet, Yeah, you know? And it's like, that can happen with us where we're like, he is moving and working in our lives and we are coming to an understanding of it. I'm really and, digging this. And you love right that idea with your one friend who was like, I don't think I'm ready. And this is the beauty. Who was ready here? No one. Yeah. They, they didn't even know who he was when he came. And you love that he just gently leads, right? They're going to have this as they understood 
process that is going to be so sweet and the timing of it is so slow as everybody's just coming to realize okay this is who he is and this is what he does and that he really comes into a disaster zone i i it was not like yeah you know properly put together yes. or anything like yes. that it's so neat that he's just like i came right into the, the mess. mess because yeah. i came to heal and i came to bless so like you he, he doesn't come to heal and bless unless there's a lack yeah, of blessing and a hurting. Yeah, it's almost as if he's hurting, like, yeah, be know? as broken as you want. Yeah. That's, that's my favorite place to come into. Yeah, so awesome. Then a couple of lessons that we want to look at for, for when he shows up. The first one is just kind of his first thoughts. It's just powerful to think like you have everyone's undivided attention. What will the message be? What are those first lessons going to be? And if you look at like 10 through 11, these are his first ones. And I wrote 10, what? <laughs> I'm gonna laugh so hard. Cause you guys, we wrote four. And then oh, this then is I what happens one? every time we're like, and what about this? And what about this? So you just put as many lessons on that part. Yeah, the first lessons, yeah. because I just added a sixth. <laughs> In my mind, just barely. Okay, I just was about to say that, then I was like, oh, and I actually have a sixth. Time. Okay, so you, you're gonna find as many as you yeah. want okay. from this. Here's six, and then see what else you see. Wait, don't but, start, you're gonna start with six? No, I'm starting with verse nine. Oh, okay. But this is the sixth one in verse nine is what I mean. Oh, and Y'all, in case you're like, what in the heck is happening? On the study guide, we wrote four, one, two, three, four, first lessons. And then like while we were doing the board, I was like, I actually found a fifth. Should and then, you do one through four first or you're just so happy you're going to start with six? Well, the six comes first. That's okay. why. Okay. Look in verse nine. So I actually think, six, I actually think this is the first lesson. Okay. Um, that the first thing he does is stretches forth his hand oh, before he says a word. That's so good. You know, before he says a word, just that action Reach. is a sermon in and of itself. Which makes you want to think of that one song that I love. I'll say the line and you try and think what song it comes from. And I'll sing it because the echo. Boy, you'd have to take on the sheet. <laughs> Who loves this line? He reaches my reaching. Oh. Don't you love you see that reach right then? Mm. And I love thinking even in New Testament stories, how many stories do you love that he is within reaching distance in that story? You think about the woman who touched his robe. You think about Peter when he's drowning. You think about that leper who you and me love when he you're not supposed to touch lepers and but he does he reaches out and you love that with all these people it's going to start with that saying reach yeah i heard this song this week um and he just came onto my phone randomly Magically. yeah it was magic and it said this you know that line draw near unto me and yes, i will draw near unto I you love that. oh you do i kind of don't like it because oh. i'm like oh, i thought but i actually now think about it like this a little more he's there and then the song says, draw near unto me and I will draw even closer. Oh. Because I like the idea of him already being there. Like even letting you know you can draw near because unto I him. Because I think he know? is. Because I think he makes the first already move. Already there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which makes me think, can we just pause for a story? Because I'll tell you why I love that. Okay. Yeah. So as much. As long as he makes the first move in it, I'll like it. Um, you are going to love it. Because <laughs> when we first got married, I don't know if I've ever told this story or not. So I'm trying to think how many details you need to understand. But... We talked about three days before I got married when Greg got sick. Well, I know that story. And he, um, I don't know if you all know, he, Greg got sick three days before we got married. And then 
we went into the Instacare in California. We all lived in Utah, except for we were getting married in California. So we had to do an Instacare and we thought it was strep throat. And then we got in there and it wasn't, it was a tumor on his thyroid. And the doctor was like, maybe you should postpone the wedding. And, but who postpones their wedding three days before the wedding? Do you know how much work just went into the wedding? <laughs> Plus we were like 19 years old, everyone. And Greg was 21 or however old you are. Yeah. Um, so the guy was like, just right when you get home, you need to go to the oncology department at the University of Utah. So we got married. We didn't even think about, we just thought about pictures and flowers and brownies. That's what we served, brownies. Yeah. And um, went on our honeymoon and came home and went to the oncologist. And the next thing you knew, Greg was having surgery. And we had been barely married for one second. My parents were on a mission in California, so they were still there. Greg's parents came for the morning of the surgery and sat at the hospital with me. And then after the surgery was over, I'll never forget this day as long as I live. You know how you sit in a waiting room and um, the doctors come in and call for whoever they've just finished the surgery with. And this doctor came in and he was like, Mrs. Freeman. And I just sat there and he was like, Mrs. Freeman. And I still just sat there because I've been married name. for one second, everyone. And then I seriously thought this, where is that lady? Like who leaves the waiting room when someone's having surgery? And then all of a sudden I realized dead, I was the lady. <laughs> I had to go in that room with the doctor, which was really scary because I was 12. And um, they, he was going to have to stay for a number of days at the hospital. And I remember calling my parents and then calling Greg's parents to tell him. And then I just stayed there because I wasn't going to go home by myself because everyone, I hate sleeping by myself. And now I'm 50 years old. But when I was 19 or 20 or however old, I hated sleeping by myself. So I just decided I was gonna stay there. And in those days, they didn't have those cozy sofas that pull out into a bed. They just had plastic orange chairs, one mm -hmm. in every room. And I remember pulling it over to the bed and laying my head down on the mattress and I was holding Greg's hand to sleep. And I will tell you, I have never felt so alone in my life as I did in that moment, never. Um, it, it was just me and Greg and Greg was sedated. So it was just me. And I was so little, like what were we even thinking doing all of that by ourselves? And I can remember I just started to cry and I thought, I'm not old enough to do this. And what's even gonna happen? Like, what about all of our dreams? And should we have even gotten married? Like, what were we thinking? Like everything all of a sudden hit in that one moment. And I just started to pray. And as I started to pray, what happened is those words you just said, came into my mind all by themselves. It was pure dark, the whole room was dark. I remember light coming under the thing and I just heard the spirit say, draw near unto me and I will draw near unto you. And it was so profound for me. I grabbed a pen and I, was, I had a little paperback book that I was reading and I wrote it in the back of the paperback book. Just, I didn't wanna forget those words. I didn't know what they were. I didn't know where they came from. Um, I wasn't as familiar with the scriptures when that happened. Um, that I figured they were scriptures, but I just, <laughs> I didn't know. And I can remember I took them home and this was before we had phones and I had to go through the topical guide and look Draw. for every word <laughs> until I found the thing. And I put it up on the fridge and that invitation, that invitation was the first time in my life that I felt like I could enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ that would be real and sustaining and 
strength giving, mm. that enabling that I knew I was too little and too lonely and not equipped for what was ahead of me. Um, we would go through three months where Greg wouldn't be able to work. I was a piano teacher part-time. Um, there was one month when we had like a dollar seventy-seven to our name and a 50-pound bag of potatoes for a month. That's what we lived on. And the promise on the fridge, draw mm. near unto me and I will draw near unto you and I will tell you what he did. He did. It was the first time in my life that I knew who he was and I knew what grace was, was that moment. And now would you love that? Yes. Verse so much better. Yeah. Oh, well, listen, because it like teaches what I like think about it, which is he made the first move. Yes. And said, I'm available yes. for a relationship. You know what yes, I'm And when you, like, when you read it the first time, you're kind of like, it makes you think like you're the first move. Yeah. But like him saying it is the first move. Yeah, he's there. I'm here. Right, I'm here. I'm already here. So come here and I will come even closer. Yes. You know, to where you and are. That and that's exactly what happened. And that's what's so neat about like that word. I was just thinking right when you were talking that he stretched mm. forth his hand. I'm so happy that it didn't even say that he put his hand out. Yeah. But stretching is a like, like I will go even beyond what is normal to yeah. do, you know, for that. Oh, oh. are so you good. see number six was so good. Okay, so good. look at the rest of these sermons and then just fall in love with them. Each of them really are a sermon unto themselves, where he says this: "I am Jesus Christ." I love that, that introduction. That is... He's just like, here, let's just start with. Let me tell you who I am. And think of all the implications of all that they've read, all that they've experienced with him. Yeah, all and, that they hoped. And what the prophets had said right, for the past all, 33 plus 5 years. This is me. Yeah, here I'm I am. I'm the one you've been waiting for. You know? Um, and then that line, whom the prophets testified should come into the world. Um, that's a lesson. Mm -hmm. one, one that says, and I keep my promises through my prophets. I will, I, I will keep everything that they say. It'll all be fulfilled. I am light and life. That's a sermon. Um, I've drunk out of the bitter cup, which the Father gave me. Like, I, 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 I obey the Father. He adores you as much as mm -hmm. I do. We're in this together. I would drink a bitter cup for you. That's a sermon. I took upon me the sins of the world. Like, all of these first lessons are just about his character and nature. And, and just, oh, there's so much to unpack there that will let you just unpack as you think about and, and talk about. And, and we really should, because look what happens. Remember when you converse one with another yes. about these yes, things that you really, yep, they're in the really midst. ought to. And I love when you said too, um, about this verse, but then he comes and he's like, I am Jesus Christ. And let me tell you a little bit about me, you know? And then these things are so powerful. This is what I, like I'm your best friend. Yeah. You know, I'm your best. Mm -hmm. um, I love that. And then you love this invitation in verse 14. And this tends to be a verse that people just love. Um, when he says, arise and come forth unto me that ye may thrust your hands into my side. And, and let's just say this before you get yes. into that part. That you would think someone who's this is unapproachable. Oh, that's so You're good. way too good for someone like me. You're, mm -hmm. you're here. I'm here. I, and then right after he says, I'm all these things, which makes him a superstar. I hope that doesn't sound like, like degrading. I don't, I don't mean it in that at all, but like you'd think 
his goodness would create distance. And instead he like breaks down that barrier mm. and says, and I want and, yeah. and, and come, come here. unto me. Yeah. Yeah. It's so okay, good. Okay, sorry to interrupt you. I just thought that That was so good. I'm so glad you did. Um, and that ye may thrust your hands into my side, and also that ye may feel the prints of the nails in my hands and feet, that ye may know that I am the God of Israel and the God of the whole earth, and have been slain for the sins of the world. And it came to pass that the multitude went forth and thrust their hands into their into his side, and did fill the prints of the nails in his hands and feet. And this they did do, going forth one by one, until they had all gone forth, and did see with their eyes, and did fill with their hands, and did know of a surety and did bear record that it really was him. And I've read this a million times. I'm sure you are all the same way. And every time I read it, I just think, oh, what would that moment have been like? I love thinking about that. Like if, if you had that chance, if you had been there, what would that moment have been like? And, and to think about, um, just think about that. Um, as I was growing up, this was one of my very favorite parts of the Book of Mormon. I would think about it all the time. I would just think, what would it be like? I can remember one time thinking to myself, I wonder if it would be like, you know when you meet someone you've always wanted to meet? And you just like, you wait in that line and you can't wait to get there. And then you have that moment that you are never going to forget for the rest of your life. But they probably won't even remember happened because they <laughs> are going to see 2,500 other people in line. And... Um, I tried to I tried to think it probably is going to be like that, and then I thought it might maybe it would be like meeting the prophet. I wonder if you've ever had a chance to meet the prophet and just that feeling of just someone who you admire so much but also love. You know, you just would have that um, love and and awe of that. And um, then as I was thinking about it one day, I was like. Um, I don't know if it will be like that. I'd actually been reading this and I can remember thinking to myself, I want to um, have that process. I want to see and feel and know. I want to do that. And I remember the Spirit saying to me, you have. And right when it happened, I was like, no, I haven't. Um, because I had envisioned what that moment would be like for so long. and. Um, and then the Spirit said, you have experienced the atonement of Jesus Christ. Think. Think about it. And I started going through it and looking at those moments, like the one I just told you, that night at the University of Utah hospital room. And I did see, and I did feel, and I did know of a surety that he was there, that he was present in my story, that something was happening there and it happened again um years later um in a dark room in lehigh utah i have a vivid remember in or memory in my bedroom of a moment just like that again where i did see and i did feel and i did know of a surety that he was there and he was in my story and after i started thinking about that i thought it's so interesting because i think probably this is what will happen I think we'll wait in line with all of the people and I think it'll get close to our time to be there and we'll feel that excitement of what it's going to be like and then um, I think that moment will come and as I've thought about it in my own life I just think this this is how it will be different because he will know me he will remember me out of the 2500 and what he's gonna remember is 
Like, I just imagine him saying, remember that night at the University of Utah when you were in that orange plastic chair? Do you remember that? And I will. And do you remember that night in your bedroom in Lehigh when you were crying and um, had just come out of that terrible year with Josh? And yes, I will remember that year. And I just wonder if that's how that moment will be. It's just all of a sudden that like connect of all of those things mm. in one moment. And I think each of us has these one-on-one -on -one moments. We have them. We already have them in our life. If we just take a minute and look back and, and see, we'll realize there have been times when we did see and feel and know that he was in our story. Um, I have a favorite song that talks about this. Um, I can only imagine mm. um, that moment when, what will it be like um, when we see him? And, and you know that chorus talks about, will I dance for you, Jesus, or to my knees? Will I fall? Um, will I sing hallelujah? Will I even be able to speak at all? And just that thought of like, what is that moment going to be like? And I had a sweet experience with that this year that I actually haven't talked about in probably now I'm realizing I maybe shouldn't because it's so tender, but um, the day when my cute friend Chris um, was dying, I had the opportunity to go to her home. And I remember walking in her home just right after um, lunch. And um, dying is a painful process. It's uncomfortable. It's so exhausting to watch. I can't even imagine what it's like to, to go through that process. And it's not quiet which I was unprepared for. It's, it's loud and that labored breathing is really loud. And so Chris's cute husband had put on her favorite playlist to listen to that whole day, loud, really loud. Like you heard it as you were walking up the steps and you just, you could, it just filled the whole house. And I walked in and stood at her door and that is the song that was playing. I could only imagine what it will be like um, to see him and, and what will I do? Will I dance? Will I fall to my knees? And I can remember just standing there at her bedroom door and just looking at her on the bed and thinking, oh, it's her day. Mm. It's her one-on-one -on -one is about to be right now. And what a sweet, sweet experience it was going to be for her. Now I can't listen to that song anymore. <laughs> I haven't been able to listen to it this whole year. Every time I turn it on, it just is such a reminder of that, but also of the reality of that that one-on-one -on -one moment. It's not going to just happen once. Mm -hmm. It's going to happen over and over in our life, which will make the one-on-one -on -one moment so precious for each of us. Yeah, and at, you know, you're saying that, and it's, it gives so much more meaning to when they do cry out mm -hmm. after it and they do fall down and they do worship him. And, and, and it's reminding me of the very beginning of the Book of Mormon and the, and the vision that Lehi has of people who fall down at the tree. Mm -hmm. And it's like, God, that's oh, so good. you know, it's like, now I know why. And it's because somewhere along that journey, they saw and they felt and they knew for themselves before they met him. And that's why that meeting at the tree was was so tender and mm. sweet because they had, we were just talking about this before we jumped on that like, it's just, it's not only important to have one-on-one -on -one spiritual experiences with the Lord, it's also available. Mm. That's so you know, good. For all of us. And 
I, 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 that's, this, that's what makes this so sweet and so powerful. And, and then it's neat that he came and he said, I'm the God of um, all of Israel and I was slain for the sins of the world. And then he says, one on one. And we only get one name in the chapter, but it might as well represent all of us. Where mm-hmm. he's like, okay, Nephi, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. Nephi comes up and it's, that's so powerful. That it's like, I'm the savior of the whole world. Nephi, you know, <laughs> it's your and turn. You, you, yeah, yeah, yes. and he comes up and he remember he falls down and he and he kisses the Lord's feet with those marks mm. in them, the marks of um, him being in his story. I, that's that's so sweet to think about. You know, yeah. it's like these were for the world, but they were for you. You know. Yep. And uh, oh, that makes you so want to go good. back to the temple too. Yes. That experience fifteen. Um, Anyways, so this is so sweet, and we have the little cross-references on the study guide of other one-on-one moments in his ministry among them that we put there, and it's just neat to study and um, move through that. Then this part is one that we are so passionate about, mm. of, of where that's happened, and then he just now wants to tell everybody, let me tell you what my doctrine is, but something that we didn't write here, but we wrote it on the board, is <laughs> yes. him saying... I will actually also tell you what is not my doctrine, right? Let me tell you what my doctrine is, but then I'll also tell you what it is not. And you love that verse is so good. He says in verse 30, um, because he's going to start talking and he's going to say, and and this is going to be my doctrine. But um, in verse 28, he starts saying this, um, I am commanding that you should get baptized and there shall be no disputations among you um, as there have hitherto been. Neither shall there be disputations among you concerning the points of my doctrine, as there have hitherto been. Verily I say unto you, he that hath the spirit of contention is not of me, um, but is of the devil, who is the father of contention. And he stirreth up the hearts of men to contend with anger one with another. And then you've loved this line. Behold, this is not my doctrine, (laughs) to stir up the hearts of men. And I want to be like, can someone put that on Twitter and the comments <laughs> in Instagram? And like, this is not my doctrine. If you're stirring things up, that's not my doctrine. If you're getting into the division, if you're getting into the contention, um, that spirit of contention, it's not of me. That's not what we do. And here. it's interesting that someone might say like, oh, I see in here that the doctrine is about baptism. But if you look closer, the very first thing he wants to teach is My doctrine actually is, verse 30, that these should be done away. Hmm. That we're, stop it. And and it's going to be an argument about his doctrines, his truths, which might look like church (laughs) because what we're talking about. But he's like, my first message is. Well, and, and let the first message be baptism because what the Book of Mormon people know is that baptism means what? Comfort. Mourn with those and mourning, mourn right? and bear. And I love, I was talking to someone earlier this week, um, and we actually were talking about the division and the contention that is going on right now and the sides and, and how quickly people are jumping to a side. And um, she said to me, I have decided this week that what my, what my platform is going to be, what it's going to keep me center, what I'm going to hold on to is the fact that I made a covenant to mourn with those who mourn and if there are people mourning right now then that's where i feel called to go and um 
I thought that just simplified it so much that if it's contention, if it's division, if it's divisive at all, that is not Jesus. Um, if it's somewhere where you can add words that are going to bear up and heal, comfort bless. and heal and bring peace, that's Jesus. And maybe that's what we need more of right now is right. just Jesus right now. Yeah, it just is powerful to me that he's just like, stop trying to be right and just go and yeah, and what if you what if kindness. you weren't even picking a side? What if you yeah. were just picking Jesus? Then we would all be together <laughs> now instead. Yeah, it's just a beautiful when you look at it in that context of he's not laying out the encyclopedia of uh, what it used to be called Mormonism. Do we still call it the encyclopedia? Anyways, he's not laying out the like <laughs> he's not laying out like a doctrinal treatise. It's like look what I just showed you is what we're trying to all experience, yep. right? And, and, and that's gonna keep and that's gonna keep happening. And it's so here. interesting because in 39, he says this, verily, verily, I say unto you that this is my doctrine, after he spells it out, and whoso buildeth upon this, buildeth upon my rock. And I love that word buildeth for the fact that it makes you think it's gonna be a continual process. Yeah. It, it didn't just happen on that day. You're gonna be living out that covenant. You're gonna be learning to hear the Spirit. You're gonna be practicing that continual turning again to Christ. That is gonna become the pattern of your life. The doctrine of Christ should become the daily pattern of your living every single day. Yeah, and I think it's so sweet. Those lines where he's just like, I want you to become as little children, mm. heirs of the kingdom. And one of my favorite synonyms for the kingdom of God is the family of God. Become little children, all of us in the family of God. I, the, you know the All In podcast the LDS Living does? Uh, I wish I could remember the sweet lady's name who just did the episode, but at the end of everyone, um, Morgan asked yes. that question, what's it mean to you to, to be, be all, all in? in? And like I've heard that podcast so many times and everybody who answers, what's it mean to be all in? But this one lady answered and she says, oh, whenever I hear all in, I think of inclusive. Oh, like we are all so cute. in. Is that the best yes. answer to that? And I feel like that's what he's saying. My doctrine is this. You're all in. Yeah. Let's all come in. That's you so know? good. Yeah. Oh, okay. Such so much good, good to come. There we go. We just, that was the first domino of so many good ones in the ministry of Jesus in um, these chapters here. Yep. We'll see you next okay. week. See ya. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.